happy Mother's Day, everybody. For the mothers in the room, it's a great time to celebrate. And one thing that I always find the funniest is that they say a child will ask their mother. They'll always be going, oh, where's mum? Where's, um, I need this. I need, um, can I, I'm hungry. Oh, can I do this? Can I have that? I would like that. I would like this. I would like that. And then you know what they ask fathers? They say, where's mum? <laughs> That's always the way. <laughs> it's pretty simple, isn't it? You don't, don't have to. It's a good thing being a dad. Well, so I'm privileged to continue our series this morning where we're talking about who God is. And what is so important about the series, I love it, the one that Sam's been doing the last two weeks and we're continuing some more, I don't know how many more weeks to go, but we're here and we're talking about understanding the nature of who God is. Because what we believe about God determines our faith in God. And our faith in God determines how we live our lives. So how we see God determines our faith, and our faith will determine how we live our lives. And this topic that I'm taking us through this morning is called the God who provides. So our God is a God who provides for us, and that's an amazing thing. And I'm going to start off with a passage of Scripture from Genesis, chapter 22, verse 13 to 14. And the context of this is Abraham, some of you will know the story. If you haven't, feel free, take the note of the chapter and go and read it. But Abraham has gone up to the top of a mountain, and God has asked him to go and sacrifice. And he's got up the top of the mountain, and all he's got with him is his son. And he's in this place of like, wow, how do I say, you know, I've only got my son to sacrifice. But at that moment, we read, then Abraham looked up. And he saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. He took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And so what's so important about this is that the nature of God is to provide. It's who he is. He is our provider. He cannot help but provide. And that phrase literally means the Lord will see to it. So don't you love it when you're in a group and, you know, you need pizzas and someone goes, oh, yeah, I'll I'll sort that. I'll see to it. They're off. They grab the pizza. Someone else going, yeah, I'll I'll see to the dishes. I've got it. You just know, oh, that's going to be done. That's going to be done. The Lord is our provider. He'll see to it. And he knows what we need in our lives. And what's important is that when we talk about provision, generally, we think about finances. But God is the God who provides not just finances, but everything. And that's really important to know. And it's not when we want it, but it's when we need it. He's a God who provides in the right time, in the right season, in the right way. That's a big point. He provides in the right way. Not what we, you know, think one plus one, oh, two, that's what we want. No, God's got a whole different plan for us. And stuff, things, you know, that's just the things. Oh, I need this. You know, I can say God provided this iPad for us. Literally, he did. Um, 
well, I wasn't going to even say this, but we were at church one day, our um, drummer, no, you know, no tips for, or these are tips for the new drummers, the drummer's here now. Uh, we're in London, and the drummer walks up before church and goes, hey, we want to give you this. And so this here was the latest iPad when it came out. And it was like, wow, where did that come from? God, we needed one at that time. We used it for church, all sorts of things. And it was like, oh, hold on. There it is provided right in your hand. I was like, how does that come about? I never asked for it. I didn't even know I needed it. I knew our other iPad was slow and pretty average. But the point is, God knew what we needed at that time. Still going strong. My daughter won't say so, but, you know, it is. (laughs) God provides finances. He provides friends. He provides jobs. He provides healing. He provides opportunity. He provides life experiences. The list goes on and on when we understand that God is our provider. And you know what? He provides a way through. It's really important. But guess what? God also provides... Now, this messed with my head when I was trying to figure it out. He also provides us not to get something, right? He provides us missing out on something because that was the wrong thing for us. We think we want this, this. Oh, this is so what I want. Oh, I need this. I want that. And God's like, no, I'm going to provide for your spirit. And I'm going to miss, you, you need to miss out on that because I've got something so much better. So he, that's part of his provision. Now, let me tell you a story. There we go. I need a, need a seat to sit down. <laughs> so Kelly and I, we were in, we'd, 2009, so we're going back a fair few years, some of you pretty little, you know, at uh, that year, but 2009, we had, we were in Sydney, and we had moved to London, and we're pretty stupid in some ways, you know, we were going there for ministry, but you're talking about global financial crisis in 2009, and guess what, these two, you know, we had just been students for three years, we didn't have financial backing, we didn't have money, you know, those things are not that important, because hey, we've got a mission, let's do this. And we moved to London in the middle of a financial crisis. That's pretty, that's tough. Now, I'm, Kelly's way more employable than I am. So (laughs) she got a job within a few weeks. I was like four months down and I'm still applying for everything, cannot get a job. You know, we've got nothing, not enough coming in for both of us. And so that's what we'd gone to. We were helping out the C3 London Church um, running the worship there, but about so sort of two months into that, so remember, I don't have a job yet, but two months in, they were having the very first C3 Europe conference. So it was going to be held in Amsterdam, and they had asked us to go and be part of the worship team there. Most of the worship team was coming over from Sydney, some from Amsterdam, and then us. So here we go, first conference that was happening, and it was like, amazing. The people that we live with, they were going to drive over you know, you drive over the, under the channel. And so we're like, great, you know, don't have to pay for anything, a little bit for petrol. But there we go, we get a free ride, we go to conference. What happened is the lady was pregnant and she was really sick. It was a tough time. And so she was getting worse and worse. And two days out, two days before the conference started, they say to us, look, we're really sorry, we cannot go. No matter what. There was nothing she could do. She was really, really unwell. And we were stuck. We're going, what do we do? 
how do we get to conference? There was only one way, is to buy last-minute tickets, which was going to cost us about 500 pounds, which is, you know, like 20,000 New Zealand dollars. No, uh, it's about, um, you know, well over 1,000 um, New Zealand dollars at the time. Remember, I had no job. We didn't have money to go with us. We had enough for the tickets, but not a lot else. Logically, we shouldn't have gone. That's what we shouldn't have. And we wrestled it back and forward over the... Over, we sort of had to decide that day. What do we do? What do we do? What do we, should we spend it? Should we not? And we felt that God wanted us there. So what do we do? We go and pay our 500 pound tickets. Putting it in comparison, a coffee is about two pound at that time. So, you know, it's a lot of coffees. You know, it's a long way to get back up to that. <laughs> Some of you are agreeing with me, you know. So we fly over and we be part of the conference and while we were there, we'd, had, um, we'd got accommodation as well. But that was from a friend of a friend who had, we didn't know these people. And they were living on like the fourth floor of, yeah, in a Dutch place. Um, and then right on the top is the attic above that. So we were like five floors up there. And of course, there's no lifts or anything. And the stairs are about this wide. <laughs> And there was about 140 stairs to get to the top. That's where we were staying. And you're carrying guitars, suitcase, pedal boards, everything. And you're just trying to go up there and you're like dying by the time you get to the top. But they were amazing. They hosted us. <coughs> Sorry. They hosted us, um, looked after us. They were so um, generous. But it was tough. I'm being honest with you there. It was really tough. Um, Connor, if you could put up slide one. But we were there, and there's a little photo you see. You know, we're like right up the top, top there of those. You know, we've got all these bags there, but we got to be part of the conference. It was amazing. Now, you ask the question, did God provide in this situation? Because we had to, we had to pay the money, right? That's, that's what we had to do. But we got to experience that. And I'm going to tell you that if we hadn't have done that, the next 10 years in London probably would have looked very different for us, not in a positive way. Because that created a, started a whole lot of opportunities where we could minister um, at different times. So thank you for that, Connor. So here was my challenge. In the situation, did I believe that God provided? No, us, no one gave us the money. We went from a cheap ride to then having to pay all of this. But it is in God's nature to provide. And I have fought with this over the years. So over my life, I've gone up and down. Sometimes I really know, yes, God provides. Other times I'm like, the bill comes in and you forget about God. And all you do is see numbers, you get stressed, and you're like, oh, another water rate, another water bill. Oh, it's the rates again. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. Oh, the car broke down. Okay, there's that. And a lot of stress and anxiety can come from these ongoing pressures that happen in our life. It can be, I need a job, desperately need a job. Oh, and all we do is we think without letting God's nature be inside of us. We try to solve it instead of going to the provider. What we decide is, oh, it's this is where it's all about our control. And as Believers and children of God, our thinking and our approach needs to slowly transform 
to start thinking that God is our provider. You know, he is the one. And in Romans 12, verse 2, it says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will for you, what is good, pleasing, and perfect. Let's change our thinking to know that God is our provider. And it's a challenge, that, because the first, um, all I asked is, Whenever you get the next bill or something that's not quite right, what is your first reaction? Does it go to God or do we go instantly to the natural of can I solve this? Or do I go like, oh, amazing, God is my provider. I challenge you to do that. I don't, so I'm just putting it out there. That is an honest, this is where we need to be. We transform our minds into seeing that God is always our provider. There will be a way through even in that moment. And going back to the story of Abraham, that was a place of sacrifice. And in the place of sacrifice, their provision was really close. So in, in, when there's sacrifice around, provision will be close. And Abraham wants it in his time. You know what? He wanted that ram before he left home three days ago. You know, at the latest, he wanted the ram at the bottom of the mountain. But God was like, no, 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 no. I, I want to see where you're going with this. Do you know my nature? And are you willing to, you know, trust me completely? It's a big challenge in our lives because we want it in our, in our time. And remember, how we view God determines how we live our lives. Watching the coronation... Um, Last Saturday, was it? Yeah. Um, it's amazing when you look at kings. Now, kings these days are nothing like kings over the thousands of years. And we're not talking about British monarchy. We're just talking about kings in general. We're talking leaders, whether it's like the pharaohs, whether it's then the Greeks, the Persians, the Babylonians, and Rome, on and on and on. What's different about their mentality is the king or the leader was there to take from the people. They were there to go, oh, yes, I'll take your children as my slaves. Oh, I'll take your sons as my warriors. Yeah, I'll take um, your money. I'll take this. I'll take your crops. It was very much the people that were there to serve the leader. And if we have that mindset, we will never understand the mindset of God. Because it's a difference between how as a natural world versus spiritual world. God is like, I give you everything. I gave my son for you. I gave everything for you. Whereas we see human nature, we see this ruler who's like going, well, let's see where we can get the taxes up a little bit more and squeeze this and squeeze that. That's our mindset. Don't let that impact your view of God because he is, it's so different. But we confuse this world with God's world. It's very different. And what we're thankful for is that when the Magna Carta was signed, it was the Magna Carta in 1215, I think it was, and that was signed, and that was the moment, actually, where the king was no longer fully in charge, and they actually were there to serve the people and to serve under government and under rulership, which could look after people. But we still have this thing, whether it's in our jobs hey, the boss is this, and they're going to do that to me. It's very much a view of 
oppression downwards. God, that is not God. And that is what a lot of people in this world view God as. They can't differentiate between God who gives, they think it's the God who takes, the God who withholds. But I'm saying God is our provider. And in Matthew chapter 6, there's what Jesus said, verse 24 to 34. No one can serve two masters, for you will either hate one and you'll love another. You'll be devoted to one and despise another. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, I'm going to skip through some of these verses. Feel free to read them in detail at home. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food, drink, clothes, food. Isn't life more than food? Your body's more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. But your heavenly Father, he feeds them. You're more, way more valuable than they are. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Every bill that comes in the mail, everything that happens to our, you know, we may lose a job. You may desperately need a house to live in. You may need somewhere to, there's so many pressures. And it's so easy to get up here and go, hey, cast them to God and smile big. No, we know the reality. It's really tough. And that is the pressure. There's so many pressures that come from it. But all I can do is encourage, hey, let's know. God is our provider. And we go back to him. Don't worry about clothing. Look at the lilies of the field. They grow. They don't work. They don't make their clothes. Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today, thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying what we'll eat, drink, what we'll wear. They dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God. Above all else, live righteously, and he will give everything you need. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough. Now, I encourage you, read that every single morning. Isn't that a great way to start the day? There's so much more. Cast your worries upon God. So we've established that God, it's in God's nature to be our provider. So I'm going to continue with the story. Okay, let's go back to Amsterdam. So we finished that conference. We went back to London. Thankfully, after about, you know, two months later, I got a job, slightly employable from there. Here's the important thing. I never left that job because I was so scared I wouldn't get another one. <laughs> I, I honestly didn't leave that job. I stayed in that job for the next 11 years. How's that? You know, maybe me of little faith. No, it worked well. It worked good for us. So I got the job, and, you know, we kept doing life. And then the next February, I was like, hey, do you guys want to come over to Amsterdam for something and to meet there? So I was like, we did. Um, and then that next year after, oh, can you come and play at a conference? And then the year after, oh, can you come and run a workshop there? And then I was like, oh, Kelly, can you come and speak at the women's conference? And then it was like, okay, let's, we're going to have our next European conference here. Can you come and run that? We went back to Amsterdam about nine times, I think, roughly. Not once did we ever pay for a flight, ever. And all of those times, we never paid once. We never paid for accommodation once. 
we, instead of being 140 miniature steps up, we were um, able to stay in amazing hotels or at people's places and different things. But this is the tiny story of how God, from our point, that provided a whole series of things. It wasn't a once, and it's not, hey, sow this and you're going to reap exactly this. It doesn't work like that. God provides what you need. But it so often comes from a sacrifice so that God knows what you need. He doesn't see us as, you know, all of humankind. He sees us as individuals with unique needs and exactly what we're going through at that time. And to understand the nature of God, we've got to understand what he's done throughout history. You look at the story of Abraham, as we've talked about. We've got Jacob and his sons. We've got Jonah, and you know, he was provided a, a submarine to get to, the, um, <laughs> to get to the shore. You know, there's all sorts of things. He was also provided with a little uh, shade, which happened to die, and then he complained. Um, but then we've got <laughs> Paul was, you know, shipwrecked. Hey, but he was provided with a place to stay. Oh, but then remember, he was... Um, provided with a snake to uh, kill him. Oh, no, but God healed him from that. And so you think of all of these stories, and I can't go into all of them. They're amazing. But in every situation, God was there for the right season and for the right time. And I'm just going to say one other story. So in London, we were there for the first year, first seven years in London. We used to catch the bus, and I'm just going to talk about church, for example. So on a Sunday morning, uh, the process would be we'd get up, and remember, Peyton's very little at this time, and I'd be having a guitar case, and I'd be having a pedal board. Sometimes I'd have an amplifier and a suitcase. Um, Kelly might have an acoustic guitar on her back, and then we've got our baby, you know, our one, two, three-year-old in the push chair, and you've got all of the food for the day, and all of these things so you look like you're moving house every time you go to church. And that was our, you know, we'd walk a few hundred meters, try and get to the bus stop. Sometimes the bus wasn't running, so then you have to walk another kilometer down to get to the station. And then you jump on the train, and then you wait, and then you head to church, and then you get there for rehearsal. And as you're the worship leader and music director, you're going to be there and all oh, smiley for the team. You know, we've had a great morning, people. It's wonderful. Um, <laughs> But, you know, you can be highly stressed and all sorts of things and inwardly crying to God and going, this is horrible. <laughs> but that's a journey, and that's what we did to serve. So I just want to put it out there. If anyone's got excuses of reasons you can't come to church, please don't come crying to me. <laughs> I, I may have a different viewpoint. We can get here from anywhere in town. Remember that. But that was our journey every week. And... You know, we loved serving God, we loved what we did, but it was, that was tough. So that was seven years. And then one Sunday after church, there's a couple that say, hey, we're, we're moving from there, about to move to America for his job. And they said, oh, you know, let's go and have lunch. And so then they sit down and go, right, hand us a pile of papers. And they say, well, look, we want to sell you our car. And we're like, okay, you know. Don't really have the money to buy a car. But anyway, they want to sell a car. It's going to cost you one pound. And so then they, they go, have you got a pound? Because we've got to make this a legitimate deal. We've got to, you know, literally, these are the ownership papers. We've got to sign it off that there's a legitimate sale. 
And so I was like, oh, I think I've got a pound. So I pull out a pound, put it on the table and goes, oh, thank you. Well, we can sign it. It's been done. And then he takes a pound and gives it to Peyton. Uh, (laughs) And we were blessed with this car. And Connor, I'll get you to put up that second one. And this car was amazing. She's a bit little there. So we got blessed with it. You know, this is not a car that looks like it's about to fall off. You know, the wheel's about to fall off. This was amazing. And we, this was such a blessing to our lives. We knew, we knew we'd love a car, but we didn't even, we put it in the too hard basket. We didn't put it in the doable basket. It was like, this isn't, this isn't going to work. So there we go. We're blessed with this amazing car. You can leave the photo up. And for the next five years, that took us through many places. You know, we put a good, I don't know, at least 50,000, 60,000 Ks on it um, throughout that time. And we got to go for days out, got us to church, got us to band rehearsals. It's like, wow, that was it. And then four weeks before we're about to leave and come back to New Zealand in 2020, um, we're going, well, you know, we're going to sell the car shortly. Well, I wonder how much we can make off this. But anyway, um, here we are. We're driving, down the, we're driving down the M25. We're going to go on a day's outing, going about, you know, what speed limit's about 115 k's an hour, and I'm in the, you know, sort of more the faster lanes. And then you're going, suddenly the car just dies. I lose all control of everything. I still can't even remember. I was just like, what lost all power, everything in that instance and managed to slowly get that car across the next three or so lanes to the edge without anyone hitting us, thankfully. And we pull up and we're right there. And thankfully, if anyone's been on the M25, you've got very high sides. And we got there and we managed to stop right beside a place where they had stairs that went up. Didn't lead anywhere, lent to a locked door, but anyway. But so we were safe. So we got out of the car, and Peyton always called our car Sunny. That was the name of our car. And so the next photo is um, the end of Sunny. <laughs> so poor Sunny was done for. Um, Sunny was taken away, and we managed the guy, yes, I think he paid us 200 pounds. He said, I'll take it away. For you, done. You know, he'll keep it, use it for whatever. But the point is, God knew what we need, and he also knew when we didn't need it anymore. And at that moment, you can go, oh, that's, that's painful, four weeks out. Well, the pastors of the church, they go, oh, you've actually got a car for our business that we use to bless people when they need it. Hey, here's a car for four weeks. Yeah, it's just incredible, the provision of God in our lives. So that's a few stories where I can say when I get the next bill, when I take the car to the mechanics next, um, I know, okay, hold on, it's in God's nature to provide. How can I not think it's in his nature? Just because today's circumstances are in front of me, it is who he is, and he cannot help but provide. He cannot help. And I'll get the worship team up. Um, and in, I'm just going to read that verse again in Matthew chapter 6. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink, clothes, food. Look at the birds. They don't do anything, but our heavenly Father feeds them. You are so much more valuable than they are. Can all all your worries add a single moment to your life? 
And I want to leave you with two simple questions and a statement. Do I see God as my provider? Do you see God as your provider? Do I see him? In that moment, okay, no moment of stress, the moment of anxiety, the moment of worry, do I see God as my provider? And then, second question is, when something comes up, do I pray or do I worry? Okay, what's your first reaction is going to tell a lot about how our minds are being transformed to know who God is in our lives. Do I pray or do I worry? I want to leave that as a little bit of a challenge. I need to challenge myself. I'm going to pray and I'm not going to worry. And the third one is a statement. I'm going to tell you this morning that God loves you. He will see to it. He will provide and he will see to it. Whatever you're going through, he will see to it. It's not, it's not outside of his control. It's not outside of what he can do. He will see to it. He's got this. He's got you. He's got you. He will see to it. Let's stand, um, and we're going to sing in a moment. But God's presence is in this room. And as we sing, I don't want you just, just don't think about what's going on or the music and that. But in your heart, I want you to commune with God. Talk to him and ask him, Lord, help me transform. Help me see you in a new way. Help me see you in the light of who you are. And if there's anything that's weighing so heavily on your shoulders right now, give it up. Give it up to God. And we're going to sing, God is so good. You know, it's a statement. He is so good. And it's, it's, not, just a, it's not just words. Believe it. In you, and that's, that's all it is. God is so good. But use this moment. We, I, I'm talking a little bit longer about this, but use this moment. I want to be really clear on purpose because we can let these moments go past and then we'll turn up next Sunday and we go, oh, yeah, actually I haven't spent this time with God. No, use this moment now. Use this moment tonight. Use this moment in the morning and just spend and go, stop. Okay, God, I cast my worries on you. Let God's presence just fill you this morning. If you're comfortable, lift your hands. Actually go, right, okay, I give my worries. I give my cares. That's why sometimes our outward actions, it's not just doing it for the fun of it. It's like, no, I'm meaning, I'm meaning this. Okay, Lord, I give this to you now. I'm going to see that you are higher than I am and your ways are higher and your nature is higher in a new, new way. So I'm going to pray and then we'll sing this. Lord, you are good. You are so 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 good, Lord. We don't say that without really believing that, Lord. And I pray that you will help transform our minds to see that you're our provider. In you we trust pass our worries to you, our anxiety to you, and I pray that you'll fill us with your peace, that your Holy Spirit just fill this room with your peace, Lord, peace which passes, surpasses all understanding. It's going to guard your hearts, guard your minds.